0: Amen, amen. Let's continue on with our study on the core values of CCI Fort Wayne. The core values of CCI Fort Wayne. We've, we've taken a two-week break from this series, and today we're picking up next week. We're going to be taking another break as our bishop comes and preaches a message on prayer. And then we'll, fi- we'll finish on the last uh, core value are the second week in March, the second Sunday in March. Uh, But today we're looking at core value number five. Core value number five, that being kingdom living. Kingdom living. How many of us today want to live in the kingdom of God? Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, Hakuna? Oh, okay, thank you, thank you. A few of us want to live in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. We've said that our core values... For us as a congregation include number one, being that we love Scripture. Number two, we prioritize prayer. Number three, we love each other. Number four, we earn and maintain trust. Today is number five, kingdom living. And the sixth core value, which we will talk about in two weeks, is living in the presence of God. Yesterday I was meeting with some clients Uh, somewhere near a villa and we began talking about the kingdom and they asked me a question that was it was a good question you know sometimes you're in conversations with with somebody and there's something in your mind you yourself you know how you think about something you know how you feel about it but they ask you they ask you to dig a little bit deeper and explain what do you mean by that and they asked me I I was talking to them about the kingdom and they asked me how do you define the kingdom. And I don't think anybody has ever asked me, or I don't think I've ever thought about the way that I would answer how to define the kingdom. And it was, it was a good, you know, brainstorming session. It was a good thought process to be able to go through and define what is the kingdom. And I want to ask you this morning for your feedback. We've preached so much about the kingdom of God, especially in 2019, we preached so many messages about the kingdom of God and what it looks like to be a citizen of the kingdom of God and what it means to be an ambassador in the kingdom. And I want to ask you this morning for some feedback. In your own definition, your own words, according to your own understanding, your own, the way that you've processed what is the kingdom, how is the kingdom different than religion, you know, what's new about the kingdom, what's different. In your own words, how would you define what is the kingdom of God? Can anybody share with us? What is the kingdom? Yeah, Carol. Amen. So the kingdom of God is within me, and I should carry that kingdom everywhere I go because it's in me. Amen. That's biblical. That's what the Bible teaches. The kingdom of God is within us. Praise the Lord. Who else? What is the kingdom of God? How would you define the kingdom? Anyone else? Mm. Mhm. 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 Wow. Wow. The mission of the Holy Spirit in my life to accomplish his mission. Amen. Good. Good. What else? Give me one more definition. Yes, i Uh Uh-huh. The kingdom of God has a king, being Jesus, who's the king of kings. Amen? Amen. I cut you off. I'm sorry. Uh, It's a home where a king lives. Okay. And when we say kingdom, Mm -hmm. it's where the kingdom uh, reigns. Uh Uh-huh. Kingdom, a king has a home, mm-hmm. and having a kingdom, he, he will extend his kingdom, mm-hmm. and especially the one we have on earth. Mm-hmm. He lives in in the in his kingdom, mm-hmm. and he made an extension of the earth wow. as his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Amen, amen. We we were together. We were together. Maingi. Uh huh. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Eternal life. Amen. 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 Good. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. It's an everlasting kingdom. Amen. 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 Mm-hmm. The lifestyle of Jesus. Uh huh. Amen, amen. Good, mom. Did you have something else? It's a government. government. Uh huh. It is. Amen, amen. Good. Anyone else? I like this. I'm. I, I get passionate about the kingdom. So when I hear that we're on the same page, I get excited. Amen? Anyone else? The, the, the way that you described is so similar to the way that I described to my clients yesterday. I told them, I, 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 in my mind, this was the first time that I saw it like this. Kingdom, kingdom is the dominion, D-O-M, the dominion of the king. The kingdom is the dominion of the king. That's where he lives. That's where he governs. That's, where he, that's his lifestyle. That's where he rules. That's where he's going to take us eternally. The, the kingdom is the dominion of the king. And it's not only heaven, let me tell you, church. Because earth is an extension of the, of the dominion of our king. Amen? It's an extension of his dominion. He reigns even here. But also in Genesis 1 he tells us that he's given us dominion. 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 Woo! And then in Revelation, we're called what? And priests? Hmm? We're called something and priests. What's that something? Kings. Kings and priests. We're called kings and priests. He's given us dominion. So not only is being in the kingdom, understanding that we're in God's dominion, we're in the king's, in the king's dominion, but also as citizens of that kingdom, as ambassadors and residents of that kingdom. He's also given us the dominion while we're on this earth. This extension of His kingdom. Because a king, what, what is there that a king does not own? In the dominion, what's there that a king does not own? Nothing. He owns everything in the dominion. Amen? He owns everything. If you go to a, to a country today that's, that's ruled by a king, Even the house that you're living in belongs to the King. The car that you drive, it belongs to the King. The land that your house is on, it belongs to the King. It's only only that He's allowing you to use it. That's the way it is in the Kingdom of God. Everything, when we understand the, the, the reality of the Kingdom, we understand that everything that I have belongs to the King. My house belongs to the King. My land belongs to the King. My vehicle belongs to the King. Even... My business belongs to the King. Even my family belongs to the King. He's only made me a steward. A steward of what He's given to me. But the kingdom is the the domain of the King. Praise God. The kingdom is the domain of the King. This kingdom was something that was so heavy on the heart of Jesus that we find... The kingdom being referred to so many times that when we find Jesus referring to the kingdom, not only Jesus Himself, but even before Jesus was born, we find Isaiah prophesying about the kingdom being in Jesus. Do you remember what Isaiah said? We preached about it at Christmas time. What did Isaiah say about this, this Messiah that was going to be born? He said that the government was going to be where? Upon His shoulders. The government of the kingdom of God is going to be upon His shoulders. So if the government is upon His shoulders, you know that He has reign. He has rule in that that kingdom. You know that He has authority. You know that He's the one to declare and decree the law of the land. And it's for us as citizens of the kingdom to obey what he says. Now, when Jesus began his ministry, when Jesus began preaching, you find so many times, actually this is what, the only thing that Jesus preached was the message of the kingdom. So many times, and I have a a number, I don't know, maybe there's ten verses here that I want to read to you about how Jesus said the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. He wanted so bad for the people that he was preaching to, to understand what it is to live in the kingdom of God he wanted so desperately for the for the for the audience that he was ministering to in those days to capture his vision and to capture his heart and to know well what the kingdom of God is let me read to you some of these verses I don't know if you'll follow along with me I'm just I'm going to read quickly if you can follow along great but I don't want to take too much time. But I, I want you to hear how often Jesus spoke about the kingdom. I'm only going to read from the Gospel of Matthew, but it, there's, it's all throughout the Gospels. Matthew 13.24, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Matthew 13.31, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, uh, which, which a man took and sowed in his field. Matthew 13.33 Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Matthew 13.44 Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Matthew 13.45 Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Matthew 13.47 Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind. Matthew 13.52 Jesus said again, Jesus said again, Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Matthew 18, let's flip a couple of pages. Matthew 18, verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Matthew chapter 22. And verse number two, it says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. All of these verses, do you think that the message of the kingdom was important to the heart of Jesus? That was the only thing that he preached. Sometimes we get so confused, and we see that we we, we say Jesus preached salvation, Jesus preached repentance, Jesus ministered healing, Jesus did heal the the, the the lepers, and Jesus healed the sick, and he did all of that. But that was the ministry of Jesus. The message of the Je- of Jesus was the kingdom of God. The message that he preached was the kingdom the ministry that followed was salvation and healing and wholeness this kingdom living my friends is so important to Jesus he preached about it time and time again you know there's those preachers out there that when they get an opportunity to preach they preach the same message you know they they have that theme Miles Monroe had the theme of the kingdom. When Miles Monroe opened his mouth, kingdom came out. Maxwell preaches what? Not the kingdom. Leadership. When Maxwell preaches, he preaches leadership. Or when he teaches, he teaches leadership. There's those, there's those preachers and teachers that they they have a theme to their life. The theme of Jesus' life was the kingdom. Every time that he had an opportunity to preach or an opportunity to teach, it was always about the kingdom of God. And he wanted people to understand, and so he broke it down in very easy to understand teachings. Most of the parables that Jesus taught were the verses that, that, that I just read to you. That's how he started. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a sower. The kingdom of heaven is like... The kingdom of heaven is like... The kingdom of heaven is like he, he wanted his audience, he wanted us, still to this day, he wanted us to capture the heart of the kingdom. Now, how, how do we live in the kingdom? The message today is not understanding the kingdom, but it's living in the kingdom, it's experiencing the kingdom. There's a difference between, you know, being told about something and really understanding something to the point where you've experienced it yourself. You know what I mean? Somebody can tell you a story about some place that they went. Somebody can tell you about some experience that they had. But when you experience it for yourself, you you see it in a different perspective. You hear about people that that travel to Israel. One of these days I'm going to be in Israel. We'll go together. Amen? (laughs) Amen. We'll go together. But you hear about people that have gone to Israel and how, how the way, the way that, that Scripture becomes alive to them because now they can see Jerusalem. They can, they can put their hand in the, what used to be the walls of Sodom and Gomorrah and they can pull out the, that, those sulfur balls that are still there to this day. Scripture comes alive because they've experienced it. Jesus taught about the kingdom, but he didn't only want the kingdom to be taught, he wanted it to be experienced. How do we experience the kingdom of God? How do we experience the kingdom of God? The way that we begin to experience the kingdom of God goes back to what Brother Maingi was telling us about in John chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Actually, let's stand as we read. These few verses together. John chapter 3, we'll read verses 1 to 3. John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. When you're there, say I'm I'm there. When you're there, say I'm there. John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. It says this: there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless a man is born again, He cannot see the kingdom of God. You can be seated in the presence of God. Jesus wanted his his followers, Jesus wanted even us today, not only to be taught about the kingdom, not only to be taught about what happens in the kingdom and what follows a kingdom ambassador in his life, but Jesus wanted us to experience and to live in this kingdom. So he gave us the opportunity to become born again Not only so that we can have that eternal destination secured in Him. You see, that's the difference between a religious mind and a kingdom mind. The religious mind says that we get born again so that we can go to heaven. The kingdom mind says that we get born again so that I can experience the kingdom of God, even on this earth. You see the difference? There's a big difference there. The, king, the, the religious mind says, I, I'm, I'm living on this earth so I can get ready for heaven. The kingdom mind says, I have an assignment while I'm here. I have a job to do. I have something to accomplish. God's put me here for a reason. It's now that I'm walking in the kingdom, it's now that I'm seated with Him in heavenly places. There's a difference, and it's a big difference. And when we, when we move from a religious mind to a kingdom mind, it changes everything. Because when you're, let me even tell you this, some of us, we, we struggle on Monday mornings. I have to go back to work on Monday. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go back to work. But if you have a kingdom mind, you know you're not there just to buy time until God calls you to heaven. You're there on assignment. You're there representing the kingdom of God. And so you have energy because it's not about you anymore. It's not about what what you want to do. It's not about how you feel. It's not about, you know, ABC. Go down the list. It's about representing the kingdom of God where he's put you to be. Everything changes everything changes when we move from a religious mind that says I'm just here until I get to heaven to a kingdom mind that says I'm here on for an assignment I'm here on purpose even money even money changes in its its importance to you do you know that because in religion We have to try to get as much in our pockets as we can. How many more pockets can I find to fill something up with? Can I take an extra shift? Can I get overtime if I do this? Whatever. But in the the kingdom, that same money that you're fighting for, it's pavement in in heaven. (laughs) Even money. The importance of money changes when we're in the kingdom. Everything changes because now... I'm not just waiting to get into a relationship that I'm experiencing God, but I'm experiencing Him in everything that I do. I'm living for Him. I'm representing Him, and He takes care of me. I don't have to fill my pockets with money because He's going to take care of me. It doesn't mean that we don't work hard. It doesn't doesn't mean that that we don't put our best effort forward and we you know we take advantage of opportunities as they present themselves and it doesn't mean that we don't be good stewards of what God's put in front of us that's not what it means but your mind thinks differently when you're living in the kingdom and Jesus wanted us to experience that kingdom. He wanted the, the, the shift in our minds to be from that religious way. You know, I, and I'm, not, I'm not just talking about the religion the way that we think of it today, but even in those days, they had the Pharisees. They had the religious leaders. And they thought in a religious mind. But Jesus said, I want to take you out of that religion, and I want to put you into the kingdom. And He gave us a very life-transforming tool to get out of that and into a relationship with Him in the kingdom. And that's called being born again. He told Nicodemus, Nicodemus was a religious leader. He thought with a religious mind. He thought in that way that I've got to do enough good deeds. I've got to, I've got to, you know, I've got to do enough good things while I'm here because I know there's an eternal destination for me. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Change your thinking, Nicodemus. Change the way that you're, that you're looking at things. Change the way that you're understanding things. You have to be born again, Nicodemus. Imagine hearing that word for the very first time, being born again. Hey, what are you talking about? That sounds funny. It sounds funny, being born again. You know, some of the, some of the language that we use as Christians, to somebody who's never stepped foot inside of a church, it sounds really strange. There's a there's a there's an English hymn that we sing. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Uh, uh, oh no, I can't say it. But it talks about. I'll, I'll think of it. I'll think of it. Uh, oh, there is a fountain filled with blood. Oh, yeah. a fountain filled with blood. Put yourself in the, in the shoes of somebody that's never been, put, been sitting inside of a church and we're singing a song about a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein. Now listen to this. And sinners plunge beneath the flood. Loose all their guilty chains. <laughs> hey! The, the language that we use as Christians to somebody who's not used to what we're saying sounds funny. Hmm? And then, <laughs> Now we're, we're, huh? Yeah, at the cross where I first saw the light. Huh? You're going to a cross to see the light. Me and the end of Huh? But we, we use funny language. Now, here's Nicodemus, somebody who's never been in the kingdom. And Jesus is telling him, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. I've got to be missing something. There's got to be something that I'm not understanding. And that's, that's exactly where I was. That's exactly where some of us were before we understood the reality of the kingdom. And you hear so many people that are are stuck in a religious mind. They're stuck in a religious setting and you hear these same words coming out of their mouth whether you're talking to somebody that grew up wherever they grew up you hear the same words coming out of their mouth and they say there's got to be more. There's got to be more than what I'm experiencing. There's got to be more to this Christianity. There's got to be more to this following Jesus. There's something more that I'm not experiencing. Can I tell you what they're not experiencing? The kingdom. They're not experiencing the kingdom. And Jesus tells us, as He told Nicodemus, if you want to see the kingdom, Trace the word see back in the Greek. It means experience. If you want to experience the kingdom of God, if you want to experience the dominion of the King, you have to be born again. You have to be born again. And we know how the story goes here with Nicodemus. He got confused and and he wanted to know, are you telling me that I have to re-enter my mother's womb? How does that? And Jesus told him, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. In verse number 5, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and the capital S Spirit, he cannot, cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Friends, if you're here this morning and you're not born again, I'm here to tell you there's kingdom living available to you. Amen? There's kingdom living that's available to you. Turn with me to Luke chapter 17, verse 21. Somebody referenced this verse earlier as well. Luke chapter 17 and verse 21. So we know that it's salvation, it's being born again that that gets us into salvation. Or gets us into the kingdom, gets us into the kingdom. But now what happens? Luke 17, let's start in verse 20 and 21. Luke 17, 20. Now, when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, again, the Pharisees are thinking in their religious mindset, okay? They're thinking in a religious mind. When he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered them and He said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is where? Within you. Tell your neighbor, The kingdom of God is within me. Hey, Say it like you mean it. The kingdom of God is within me. Hallelujah. So when, we, when we're born again, that day when we sense the calling of the Holy Spirit on our life and He's calling us into a relationship with our Creator and He's He's taking us deeper and He's taking us higher and He's putting that conviction on our life and we know the lifestyle that I'm living, the sin that's in my life, the, the negativity that's in my life, the things that I'm harboring are not going to get me anywhere and we sense, the, we, we know how Jesus says, behold, I see stand at the door and knock, and whoever will hear my voice and answer me, I will come in and sup with him. I want Jesus to sup with me. Amen. When when that heart that's being convicted by the Holy Spirit hears the knocking at the door of the heart and they say, I'm not holding back anymore. I'm I'm giving everything that I've got to Jesus. I know that He's calling me. I know that He's asking for for more of my life. I know that He's wanting everything that I've got. And I know that He's he's knocking at the door of my heart. I'm going to open my door and I'm going to let Him come in. I'm going to let Him come in. I'm going to let the King come in. When the Pharisees asked, where is the kingdom? Jesus said, they're not going to say, see here or see there. Because the kingdom of God is within. Do you see that? When we invite the King in to our lives, that's how the kingdom of God is within us wherever the king is becomes royalty wherever the king is becomes royalty in in the in the american government the somewhere near washington dc there's two or maybe three of these huge planes the blue and white airplanes that are marked there united states of america And while they're sitting empty, they're not named. But when the President of the United States of America puts one foot on that plane, it's called what? Air Force One. When he comes out of that plane and he goes into the other plane, now this plane becomes what? Air Force One. It's not that that's the name of the plane and the President gets into it. No, it's wherever the President goes, that name follows him. If we were to take a if we were to take a chair and set it somewhere it's a chair it's a chair but when the king comes and sits on that chair it changes its name now the chair is called a throne It's the same chair. Nothing has changed about the chair, but it's who's dwelling there. It's who's on the chair. It's who's abiding in you. When when it's just you, when it's just the shell, there's not much going on. There's not much excitement. But when the King of kings and the Lord of lords enters inside of you, even you, my friend, you become royalty. That's why he says you're a chosen priesthood. You're You're a peculiar people. You don't line up with the outside anymore because you have royalty that's inside of you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When the king comes into the picture, things change. You're called, even you, You're the same way that that plane changes its name. Do you know what the Bible says about you? There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. The Bible says that in heaven there's a new name written for you. We might not know that name today, but somewhere there's a new name written down in glory, and it's your name. Why? Not because you went to the social security office and you requested a a change of your name. No, because the king entered you. And when the king comes in, things change. Even you're called something different. Hallelujah. The empty chair is just a chair. But when the king sits in the chair, it becomes a throne. Hey, the shack, the shack that's falling apart somewhere out there in the woods, it's just a shack. But when the king goes into that shack, it becomes a palace. Nothing's changed. Sometimes we get so caught up in our, in our depravity, we get so caught up in the mess of our lives, and we say, I can't get saved. I can't grow in my relationship with God. I can't be born again because I'm too messed up. Friends, all that you've got to do is just open the door to Him. All you've got to do is open the door because when He comes in, that's when things change. You don't, you don't fix up the shack and then invite the king. To, be, to have it become a palace, no. When he steps foot there, that's when it becomes a palace. They don't paint Air Force One on the side of the airplane and then the president gets in, no. It's when he steps foot there, that's when everybody knows in the whole world, this is Air Force One. You see what I'm saying? Have you captured what I'm trying to tell you? When the king comes in, things change. Jesus told Nicodemus, unless you're born again, Nicodemus, you can't see the kingdom. Unless you're born again, you can't enter, you can't experience the kingdom of God. But when we're born again, when we open the door of our heart and allow the King of kings and Lord of lords to abide and to dwell inside of us, woo, we're called royalty. Hallelujah. Royalty. We're called royalty, but sometimes we treat ourselves like dogs. Hmm? We're called royalty, but we treat ourselves like dogs. And God's looking at us from the inside out because He's in us. Amen? The king is looking at us, and he's saying, you mean you're putting something like that inside of me? Inside of my temple? You mean you're using the eyes of my temple to look at something like that? You see, kingdom living doesn't allow us to do those things anymore. Because it's not about us. When when the king comes into us, we become just like that airplane, or just like that chair, or just like that shack. We're for his glory. We're for his honor. We're for his fame. It's not about us. It doesn't matter how pretty we are or how white my teeth are or how yellow and crooked and how big of a gap I've got. It doesn't matter anymore because I'm being used as a vessel for His glory. Hallelujah. Kingdom living changes everything and it starts with our mind. It starts with our mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so far away from my notes I don't know how to get back. What does Kingdom living look like? What does Kingdom living look like? I have three points here that I want to give you. What does Kingdom living look like? Number one, it's representing the Kingdom in every area of life. Kingdom living is representing the Kingdom in every area of our life. Representing the kingdom in every area of our life. Whether you're at work, whether you're at at the family gathering, whether you're in church, whether you're grocery shopping, if you're living in the kingdom of God, you're representing the king. Because you understand that you're royalty. You understand that there's something greater that's dwelling inside of you. You understand that there's something more than just what meets the eye. It matters not what the outside is like. He's going to clean that up as time goes by. But what's inside, he's going he's to change. So as, as a representative or as an ambassador, kingdom living means that we are representing the kingdom, the dominion of the king, the domain of the king. We're representing him in every area of our life. Number two, Number two, kingdom living is a life of authority. A life of authority. Turn with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. Mark chapter 16, 17 and 18. And I want you, when you get there, I want you to put your finger there and then turn back a few pages to Matthew 28. Okay? So find Matthew 16, hold the place, but then turn back to Matthew 28. We're going to start with Matthew 28, verse 18. This is when Jesus is preparing to to depart from his. Disciples, and he's leaving them with a, with the great commission. And I want to combine Matthew's account with Mark's account. Okay, so we're going to read both of them together. There's things that Mark leaves out that Matthew includes, and vice versa. That we want to we want to capture the whole heart of what Jesus said there. So starting in Matthew. 28. So many times, listen church, so many times when we talk about the Great Commission, we say that the Great Commission starts with go ye, or go therefore. But I have a problem with that. I have a problem with saying that that's where the Great Commission begins. Because actually the Great Commission should, should begin in the verse before that, verse 18 instead of verse 19. So let's read together. Matthew 28 from verse 18. Jesus came, and He spoke to them saying, All authority, how much authority? All. All all authority is given to Me, capital M, Me, in heaven and on earth. So where is the domain of the King? Both in heaven and on earth. All authority is given to the King in heaven and on earth. So we have that, right? Now, now that we understand that He has all authority, now the Great Commission is going to make more sense. Verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Jesus told the disciples, I have all authority. I am the King. I am the final say. I have got the, 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 the you know, we can say the buck stops here. The buck stops with me. Nothing, nothing that I say is going to come back to me void. Everything that I say is going to become reality. All authority is given to me. Therefore, you go. I have all authority, Jesus said. And because I have all authority, you go. Make disciples. You go and baptize. You go and teach and preach. Jesus has all authority. Now, let's go to Mark 16. And we're picking up in the same Great Commission, but now this is Mark's uh, side of the story. This is Mark's version of the story instead of Matthew's. Let's start in verse number 15. Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, This is still, this is right after Jesus got done telling them, all authority has been given to me, and because all authority has been given to me, therefore you go. And he concludes by saying this in verse 17 and 18. And these signs will follow those who do what? Who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything, notice they, he says, if they drink. He doesn't say go out and drink deadly poison. But he says, if you drink. Huh? Some people take this out of context. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Friends, what does a, king, what is a life living in the kingdom look like? Number two is a life of authority. A life of authority. Because if the king, we said that the king is inside of us. The kingdom is inside of us. Amen? And we're dwelling in this earth for a temporary season. This is our temporary assignment. If we're, if we're dwelling here and the king is inside of us and we're dwelling in his domain and whatever he speaks becomes reality, that means that his authority is going to flow through us. So when he says, in my name, Jesus says, they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. In my name, they'll cast out devils and they'll go. In my name, nothing's going to harm you. In my name, signs and wonders are going to follow those who believe. Let's, let's bring that into 2020. In my name, you're going to have discernment. Amen. In my name in 2020, you're going to have peace. Amen. In my name, you're going to get over bitterness. Amen. Yeah. In my name, there's going to be reconciliation. Amen. This is kingdom authority. You see in in again coming back to the comparison between religion and kingdom in religion we can't get out of our mess because there's no authority in religion G, we're taught in scripture that pure religion is doing two things doing what pure religion is caring for the ah oh yeah huh the widows and the and the orphans pure religion pure religion is caring for the orphans and widows that's that's religion and that's beautiful that's what we're instructed to do but in religion only we don't have the authority to do what needs to be done we don't have the authority to get out of our mess but in the kingdom now we're given authority not because, we've, not because we've served God enough or not because we've spent, you know, 16 hours in the Word and in prayer every day. That's not how we get our authority. We get our authority because Jesus said all authority has been given to me. Therefore, you go and do the work. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Kingdom living is representing the kingdom of, of God in every area of life. Number two is living a life of authority. And number three is propagating the message and the lifestyle of the kingdom everywhere we go. Hallelujah. Number three is propagating the message. Propagating is spreading. Spreading the message and the lifestyle of the kingdom Everywhere we go. I remember there was a time when our bishop was preaching, and he said, if I I were to show up at your workplace and ask for Brother Eric, would they know who is Brother Eric? Would they know him if I identified him as brother? Would they know this guy's a believer? Hmm? Does he propagate the kingdom message and lifestyle wherever he goes? If I were to show up and ask for Sister Becky in the engineering department, would they know? Oh, Sister Becky, that's the one that's always talking about the Bible. Hmm? Ah, yeah, I've heard of her. Yeah, she's only been here for a week, but us, we know. We know who Sister Becky is. Hmm? Would they know? Kingdom living is not keeping this to ourselves. Jesus said all authority has been given, so go. Go and teach and preach and baptize and and, and take care of things. Go and spread this message. Those of you that are walking in the kingdom, is it good? Hallelujah. And if something is good, do you keep it to yourself? No. You spread it. Actually, you can't help but spread it. It just comes. It just comes out of you. You heard Bishop say on Sunday that there's times when even he, he's in the grocery store. He hasn't said anything to anybody, but somebody comes and says, you're a pastor, aren't you? You have to be a... I can just tell by... There, there's just something in you I can tell. You have to be a pastor. Why? Because his lifestyle propagates the message and the lifestyle of the kingdom. He lives His life, if you're living in the kingdom, you live your life at a level of excellence. You live your life at a, at a high level of expectation, a high standard. Because you know also that to whom much is given, much is, is required. Much is required. You've been given the keys to the kingdom. And so if you've been given that responsibility, church, be sure that you're going to give an, an account on Judgment Day. Be sure that you're gonna give an account on Judgment Day. What have you done with those keys? What have you done with those keys? How many hearts have you unlocked from a life of bondage and a life of depravity and you've used those keys to the kingdom to unlock those dry bones? How many, how many, how many, you know, we say it's not about numbers, but how many, how many souls have you introduced to salvation? How many lives have you led to the, to the kingdom of God? You're going to give an account because you've been given all authority. You've been given all authority. This is kingdom living. This is kingdom living. As we conclude... Let's go to one of my favorite verses. Matthew 6.33 I think by now we should all be able to quote this verse. I hope nobody's counting how many times I've been preaching on the kingdom. Because you'll say this guy can't preach on anything else. But it's, it's, it's exciting and it's important. Amen? Matthew 6.33 Let's read in conclusion. But seek First, the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah. Can we read it more in context? Let's, Let's start in verse 25 back down to 33 again. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one more cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. For after all, these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. But, here it comes. But, don't worry about where the next meal is going to come from. Don't worry about how the rent is going to be paid. Don't worry about picking up the next shift. Don't worry that you were laid off for six months. Don't worry about all of these things. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry, here's the answer. Seek first the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. And all these things, all the, all the things that you're worried about, all of this, the, the lack of finances, it's going to come. Seek the kingdom. The lack of, the lack of somewhere to, you know, to, to, to sleep at night, just seek the kingdom. It's going to come. You don't, know, you don't know how this situation is ever going to get better. Don't worry. God's going to work it out. You just seek the kingdom. Don't, don't worry that you know, I, I, things are so bad at work right now. They're, they're giving me this and this is going on. Don't worry about it. Just seek the kingdom. God's going to work it out. As ambassadors of this kingdom, you don't have to worry. What's worrying going to do for you? Nothing. Nothing. The other day, we were, we were on our way to the dentist with Keisha. She had a tooth infection, and the, the, the gums were swelling, and she knew this tooth had to come out. And she found out on Thursday that they were going to pull it, so the whole weekend up till Tuesday, she was so worried. Tuesday morning, she woke up in tears. I don't want to go. Do I have to go? Can I just go to school today? Don't make me go to the dentist. Dad, do we have to go? And she was, and the the, the appointment wasn't until 1 o'clock. And the the closer that we got to 1 o'clock, the more, the rougher the day that she had. Things were bad. And so the time came, we got in the truck, and we started going to the dentist. And the tears came. And she was so worried. And so I pulled the truck over to the side of the road, and I said, listen, you've known since Thursday we're going. You've known since Thursday. Nothing's changed. Now we're on the way. You know that we're going. Nothing's gonna change. And I told her, Keisha, you can worry. And I promise you, if you worry and fuss the way that you're fussing now, it's gonna hurt. Worse. I promise you, if you if you throw a fit the way that you're throwing a fit now, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be bad. But if you, I told her, suck it up. If you suck it up, get over it. We're going. It's going to be okay. It might hurt, but it's going to be worse if you act the way that you're acting. If you worry the way that you're worrying, it's going to be worse. I said, do you understand what I'm telling you? Yes, Dad. And she did. She pulled those bootstraps up, and she was a trooper. We got in there, and she sat down, and she, she was asking that, you know, can, should I be brushing my teeth three times a day? How can I? She wanted to be sure she, this never happens again. <laughs> so she's talking to the dentist. She's talking to the, you know, the hygienist. And finally he came, and he put the numbing, you know, thing that was there, and he put his arm around her with the big, these big pliers. I don't know if I could have done it. But he put, the, put his arm around her, and, pow, and this thing came out. And we were done. She was fine. Because she stopped worrying. At least, at least she stopped demonstrating the worry. <laughs> Maybe in her heart she was still worried. But it's that way with us. We know that difficult times are gonna come. We know that we're gonna face challenges. We know that there's, the day is going to come, even though this month we were fine, we've got, had the rent paid on time, we know that the time is going to come when it's going to be hard to make that payment on time. Probably the day is going to come. But if we know it's going to come, is it going to help us by worrying about it? Jesus tells us in the Word, how many of you by worrying are going to add even a cubit to your (laughs) stature. What's it going to help you? How is it going to help you? Especially knowing, especially knowing that the God that we serve, the King that we serve, cares about those birds, cares about the grass in the field, cares about the small things, and he tells us, don't worry about these things. You just seek the kingdom of God. You just live a lifestyle in the kingdom, let me take care of the details. This is the God that we serve. This is the King that we serve. This is the kingdom that we're citizens of. I want to invite you today, if you're not living a kingdom lifestyle, let today be the day that things change. A, king, a kingdom lifestyle, as I said before, means representing the king, number one, in every area of life. Number two, it's a life of authority. And number three, it's propagating the message and the lifestyle of the king everywhere that we go. If that's not who you are, if that's not where you're living, I want to invite you today to open the door of your heart and allow the king to come and dwell with you. Allow the king to expand his domain into what you've been keeping from him up to this point. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to worry about. But we serve a good God. We serve a good king who's there ready to take such good care of us. To provide for every need. To give us the authority that we need. To give us the the power that we need in this life to represent Him well. It's about His glory, church. It's about His his message and His desires being made known and being made famous. And He chose, He chose to do that through you and I. What a privilege that we have. What a privilege. I'm thankful today that if if you look at my ID, even though it's written Indiana across the top. If you really know me, if you really know me, you know that my citizenship lies beyond Indiana. But I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. And one of my assignments in that government, one of my responsibilities, one of my jobs in that government is to, I work in immigration. I bring people from other, from other governments into my kingdom. Amen. And we don't, we don't just give visas. In my government, we don't just give visas, temporary visas. We give citizenships, permanent citizenships. <laughs> so if the government that you're serving today isn't working for you, let me sell you on my government. Let me sell you on the kingdom that I'm a part of, that I represent. It's a good kingdom. It's a good kingdom. Our king takes good care of us. And I invite you today to come and be a citizen in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.